Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk about college football, college basketball, the NBA, the NFL, and of course, our signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 249. College football bowl games have their history starting with the 1902 Tournament East-West football game sponsored by the Tournament of Roses Association. This game put Michigan and Stanford on the gridiron, which ended in a blowout 49 to nothing with Michigan taking the win. In 1923, the Rose Bowl began playing at the new at the time Rose Bowl Stadium, thus calling the game the Rose Bowl game. That's cool and all good history, but I do have a quiz for you, too. Spanning from 1944 up to but not including this year, there have been 25 college postseason games that have been rematches from regular season games of the same year. You follow me there? Does that make sense? I so from 1944 so. up until now, not including the bowl games that we just saw, there has been rematches from that same year between two schools. One of those matchups in that span, one of those 25, involves Iowa State. Can either of you name one of the three? The year this occurred, the opponent that we played, and the bowl game that it was played in, or the postseason game that it was played in. You have got to be kidding me. Like, uh, and actually, it it's not as hard as you think. It is relatively recent. It's not like in the 50s, 60s, or 70s. It is it is within this century. Oh, good. That within helps, that helps a lot, doesn't it? By yeah. century, do you mean like 2000 on, or like literally the last 100 years? 2000 on. Oh, uh, can we like can we narrow it down? Or? It is 2010 on. Okay, so what? We've been in the Liberty Bowl three trillion times. So I'm gonna guess the Liberty right. Bowl. The Liberty Bowl. That is correct. It was the Liberty Bowl. Do you have the year? Uh, 2012. I was gonna say 2011. It is the 2012 Liberty Bowl. Can you name the opponent from that bowl game? Uh, that, that was played in the same season. Before I got here. So that was when I, they were still putting the SEC in there, I think. I uh, This was not an SEC team. Oh, okay. Well, I got that wrong. I don't know. It was Tulsa. The Tulsa Golden oh, Hurricanes. Golden oh. Hurricanes. Yeah. Wow. Hurricane versus Cyclone. <laughs> we, we beat them 38-23 to 23 as the first game of the season on September 1st and then came back to beat them again 38 oh sorry uh 31 to 17 and we lost unfortunately i believe we also beat them the next year because that's like one of the only wins they had early in the season my freshman year and then they didn't win a single game until the last game of the year that was also a a very yeah it was a close score is it 38 to 21 instead of 38 to 23 in 2013 Hmm. the more you know more you know well, speaking of the Liberty Bowl and Iowa State playing in the Liberty Bowl three quintillion times, uh, three times, that is exact, right? That's how many times we've played in it now or will have played in it at the end of this season. Uh, and what is this, 2017? Because it is a rematch of Iowa State and Memphis at the Liberty Bowl in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, this marks the first bowl game that the Cyclones had been to in a long time. You know, back in 2017, when Wyatt and I were were still in the band, sorry to say, Ariane 
had literally just graduated after probably yeah. the four worst years of football to watch um, in Iowa State history. So, yeah, this team obviously is completely different, but a lot of or, um, some similar faces, obviously headlined by Matt Campbell, still here. Um, this team is eerily similar to uh, what had happened in 2017. Came into the end of the season with very low expectations for different reasons. Uh, but at the end of it, found a team that kind of, you know, meshed together, made it work and really kind of rose and grew into something that was really something that we could be excited for for the next season going forward. Obviously, there's a game in between. That game is taking place on December 29th at 2.30 p.m. Central Time, uh, I believe is when that is on. So it is a Friday uh, for most people who have companies who observe New Year's Eve. That is your holiday. So enjoy watching some Cyclone football on your day off, as I will be doing. Um, I don't I didn't do a lot of research into Memphis. We might do like a a, a more in-depth preview of it later um, on what to look for. But I I saw Chris Williams tweeted that he saw that, you know, this kind of the line opened at Iowa State favored by 10. Um, I think that's probably extreme, uh, but yeah, it, obviously we're playing Memphis in their backyard, in their home stadium. So it, it kind of is what it is, but Iowa state showed up for the game in 2017 and I don't think it'll be any different this year. Um, so that there you have it. We'll do a little bit more in-depth detail, but do you have any other parting thoughts, Arian, before we talk about some other controversy this that happened this week uh other than i was just uh shocked at the fact that the line opens at 10 that seems ridiculously high to me uh i the last time we were probably favored by 10 or more was ohio i would think and we saw what happened in that game that didn't go great well uh yeah we have not been favored by that much on any of our conference games so that definitely is surprising. I would not expect it to be a blowout, but oh, I have the line as ISU seven, so maybe it's moved okay. a ton already. Maybe that was wrong. It uh, could have it could have opened at ten and has yeah, kind of moved a little bit. Would to swing. Seven, so and then FPI gives us a sixty two point seven percent chance of winning that game, um, which definitely just, feels like a better chance than we had in twenty seventeen, right? Yeah. Looks like their leading passer has about 3,500 yards, 28 touchdowns, nine interceptions, and their leading rusher is a thousand yard rusher and has 14 touchdowns. So their offense looks good. Uh, their last five games, they've scored 45, 34, 44, 59, and 45. So it'll be interesting to see if that holds up to one of the best defenses in the Big 12 or whether they just get smothered and this is a low scoring affair. I would bet on the second one more than a high scoring one. But yeah, we'll probably dig into those numbers a little bit more uh, later. We'll see what happens. But yeah, that's all I got for that part specifically. Yeah. Um, but we can move on to the more pressing and interesting matters. Uh, what has been gripping the sports world ever since it happened yesterday? I think I saw a clip of like 32 hours or something. Yeah. I think I saw a clip of them talking about it on like CNN. We got like random news stations talking about it. And that is the college football playoffs final rankings um and that ended up being michigan at one washington at two texas at three and alabama at 
four. Um, this is the first time in the college football playoff history that an undefeated power five team has not been let into the playoffs. Um, as they undefeated left. power five and conference and champion. conference champion. Yeah. Uh, right. Florida state was left out at number five and then uh, former number one, Georgia was put down at six. Um, this made a lot of people upset. And I think there are reasonable reasons for that. Um, it was just kind of an odd look for the committee. You know, I think maybe people just didn't understand what their point was. I guess I didn't think of what their job was to me, their job was to reward people for what they've done during the season and give them the chance to play for a national championship. Like the job is to prove yourself the best team, not to be told who the best team is by a bunch of guys in a boardroom and one lady Uh, shout out to Condoleezza Rice, I guess. Um, But it's interesting. I feel like up until now, they've never been put in this situation before where they had to do it like this. And it was interesting to see the switch. I had always thought of this process as akin to judging a race, right? Who finishes first? Who finishes second? We see that. We put them in. You win. Get a medal. Be on the podium. Uh, But apparently, instead of judging a track and field race, this is more like judging ice skating or figure skating, where, you know, if you're the Russian judge, you just put up a lower card because you don't like them. It seems like we don't judge seasons or games anymore it doesn't matter how many games you win or how many games you lose it matters how you recruit it matters what your roster looks like and i just don't think that that is good for the sport why are these guys even out here playing and you know risking their bodies for this florida state was penalized because they had a player injured which happens the kid tweeted out that he wishes he broke his legs sooner so that they could see that the team is still good without him like that's messed up And I just don't see how you can say we're going to penalize the other however many men are on a college football team. I don't know how many, say 53, whatever. You're going to penalize all those kids because of a freak accident. And you're going to say, well, you know, Alabama has more five-star recruits. Texas has more five-star recruits. We just think it'll be a better game. Your job isn't to make a better game. I feel like your job is to reward the teams who played the best during the season. You say they didn't look good in their championship game? Well, yeah, they were playing with their third-string quarterback. If anything, that gives them more of an argument, in my opinion. Here's a fun fact. Uh, Florida State is without its starting quarterback that opened the weekend, right? So that's why we don't want to take them. Well, that also happened, um, you know, Ohio State in 2014, Alabama in 2017, Clemson in 2018, and Georgia in 2021. That's just 44% of the time that it's ever happened in the playoffs. And they decided that they couldn't do it this year. We hear all these arguments about what they're making. But at the end of the day, I think we all know what it is, right? It's money and it's brand and it's matchup and it's viewerships for ESPN. That's all it is. 10 years later, what's the difference between what just happened this year and the controversy with the BCS selection? Yeah, you just I don't see any difference. Popularity there, contest. there isn't any difference. Absolutely. This drew the ire of a Florida senator who actually published and, and, well, not published, issued a letter to the College Football Playoff Committee basically demanding uh, recorded footage of the selection process, who literally voted, like who cast their votes and like what, how those ballots stood, um, text messages, email chains, all of this stuff that led up to this decision. Now, I don't know if that will ever you know, come to anything or fruition, they could subpoena 
the college football playoff committee if they got enough senators on board with it, which, by the way, not many um, politicians like the NCAA. Uh, but with yeah, that, the, the one thing, before. right, the one thing that they did mention that was interesting in that article is it does unnecessarily punish Florida State for the next, like, couple of years going forward and the ACC. That is $2 million in lost profit share or, like, profit sharing to the ACC as a conference um, that they could have gained by Florida State being in there. Uh, it is... Rec- or, you know, you have your student athletes on the field getting the recognition for the job that they've done all season on the national spotlight, uh, which impacts recruits going forward. Um, you know, additional funds to funding to the school through NIL because boosters are excited about the way football is going. It's just how stuff plays out right now in the NIL landscape where it's pay to play. Um, so this type of thing had a huge sweeping impact that is not just them not playing in this college football playoff like semifinals um the and interestingly enough so you're gonna tell me that florida state like so initially i was like i knew this was happening or i figured this was happening and coincidentally everybody now uh suspects that espn knew it was happening because kirk herbstreet 10 minutes before the announcement uh, conveniently had the appropriate four helmets placed in the order that they should have been in before it was announced. So you're telling me the college football playoff committee doesn't tell ESPN, ESPN what their rankings their, are going like, to be rankings out the day earlier. And they had, I think they all had this, right? Of course they did collusion there on, on that aspect to put a product on the field, but two things. And then I'll, I'll, I'll hand it back over. So one thing is you're going to tell me that Florida state, is better than Georgia because you mm-hmm. put Alabama, Florida mm-hmm. State, Georgia. So you're telling me that Georgia, who lost to Alabama in arguably maybe the, the best matchup all season in college football outside of Washington, Oregon, you're, you're telling me that Florida State is now somehow better than the previous week's number one team. And don't get me wrong. Like, we might not have been talking about this had the college football playoff committee said last week the week before that Florida state was not fit to be the number four team in the country because of this quarterback situation. Had they done it then there would have been tons of groaning and griping about it, but it could have been justified that since their quarterback is out, they didn't look good on the field with their backup, their second string backup, not their third string, their second string. So we're going to move them to five because we see that Oregon at number four, might be a better team than them. Well, now you're saying that Alabama is better and Georgia is not as good. It just doesn't make any sense at all. And then lastly, everyone's saying, thank TCU for this issue because they don't want another blowout in the national championship game. You can't, like, take that... You can't compare apples to oranges in two different seasons. Like... You can't overreact from the product that was on the field last year. TCU deserved to be there. They showed that in the game against uh, who they beat last year, Michigan, in yep. the the semifinal. <clears throat> yep, they beat them fair and square. So they yeah. deserve to be there. They just got blown out in the championship game by maybe the greatest college football team in the past like ten years. Yeah, Georgia was phenomenal, but you can't take that TCU loss and say Florida state isn't deserving of it because you're not going to get a, a, 
better like viewership uh, on TV because of it. Uh, they did themselves no services with like, how everything shook out, and I don't think anybody trusts them at all or ever again, for that matter. Yeah, I I don't you know I don't want to get too conspiracy theory esque. But it feels like it's not a coincidence that they chose to make this choice that you know they knew was going to be unpopular. And you know they knew was just to drive viewership when conveniently the very next year is the expanded playoffs. They made this choice and left a team out that everyone thought should be in. Now next year when it gets expanded, which I've not been a fan of, everyone will say this makes more sense. This is better for the sport. More teams can get in. And they just basically added popularity onto their own idea so i guess it's kind of clever in that way it, it, i don't think that's a coincidence personally but yeah it's like, like you were talking about a, end of a tv series gearing it up for next season the cliffhanger yeah you know it's just it's the inconsistency with what they're saying like oh we put alabama in because they're a better team okay i don't understand why georgia isn't in there. you're gonna tell me georgia's a worse team than washington just because washington didn't lose a game or or michigan what are we judging off? We're speculating versus the future? Or are we basing it off what they did? And even then, why not make Washington number one, right? Washington had five wins versus the top 25. Michigan had three. Washington had six wins versus the FBI top 35. Michigan had three. ESPN's strength of record gave Washington number one and Michigan two. ESPN's strength of schedule, Washington 11, Michigan 33. So tell me what about that makes Michigan number one? And if, if we're you going wanted numbers, if you wanted viewership numbers, put Washington at number one because they play in the Rose Bowl, historically a Pac-12 bowl game mm -hmm. like that would have made more sense. But now you have Texas playing virtually two home games, New Orleans, which is significantly closer than Seattle, Washington, location wise. And then if they make it to the championship game, they play in Houston, their backyard. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't get it. When I see this, I'm just like, OK, I don't understand why we're playing games. Like, why are we putting out rankings every single week? Just decide who your favorite teams are and who you want to see play. And we'll just book it every single year. We'll just say we're going to pick from five of Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Texas, Georgia and Auburn. Right. And we'll just see what we like best. Because clearly, it doesn't really matter what's happening on the field. And uh, yeah, we're just, we're just picking off guys we like, which is uh, terrible, in my opinion, for the sport. You know, especially as someone we all went to Iowa State. You always dream of it, you know? If we went undefeated, wouldn't it be amazing? They'd have to put us in. Nope. No, they wouldn't. Because Iowa State doesn't get viewership. Nobody cares about Iowa State. You don't even get, like, the A commentators when we do have a big game. Speaking of viewership, 3.9 million viewers on the 7 o'clock uh, segment of Fox, their nightcap, most viewership across all 7 o'clock segments or broadcast windows all season long with Farmageddon argues yep. something different. I so. agree. Also, just quick shout out way back. You mentioned that politician, Mr. Rick Scott, is who it was, who wrote that letter. I love that because that is just pure like voter bait like, he did not go to florida state he did not grow up in florida he got his degree from umkc here in kansas city he just basically wrote a letter that was like i like florida things and you like florida things let's florida together 2024 
and that's hilarious to me and claps to him for that but that's that's pretty much all i have i think it's a travesty and i think it's lame and i just i'm less excited for the playoffs now like why watch yeah. why do i care you're just gonna pick whoever you want why do we even play the games bring back to bcs i'd rather at least blame an algorithm yeah. on it or right. or just like go back to just picking whoever you want and just be blank yeah. about that. We had all this secret closed door James Bond NATO big round table BS. It's and football. then they just pick it's whoever football. they want. We don't need that. Yeah. Yeah. Just play. I, Can you imagine? With, Can you imagine if that was in the NFL? They're like, ooh, yucky. We don't oh, really want, you know, we don't want the Giants to have to play the undefeated no, that, Patriots, so, right? So that that actually leads me into my final parting gift for us. Imagine if the and this is how ludicrous this college football playoff thing will sound. And I did not come up with this. I saw this on Twitter. I don't remember who it was. But imagine if the NFL in 2017 with Carson Wentz, the leading MVP, uh, mm. or the front runner for MVP, goes down and gets hurt. Imagine the NFL saying, "Okay, Philadelphia Eagles." Yeah, you guys don't deserve to be in because mm-hmm. Nick Foles is your quarterback instead of Carson Wentz. Uh, yeah, and they went on to win the Super Bowl. Like uh, that just sounds so ludicrous, and yet they did it. So, yep, same idea for the Amazing. the Giants Patriots Super Bowl. Like nobody wants to see that. They're gonna blow them out. The Patriots are undefeated. Oh, just kidding. One of the most you know notorious Super Bowls ever. So it's just a stupid yeah. idea. But congrats to the SEC, I guess. Yep, because Texas goes next year, so they'll get revenue, additional revenue for that next year. Oh, well. Uh, Moving on from uh, despicable uh, actions, you know, hey, at least the Cyclone men's basketball team righted the ship uh, as they faced a bad DePaul team this past week on Friday night. Uh, They won pretty easily, but... As I said, DePaul is not great. Uh, Jackson Pavletsky was honestly a difference maker in this game. Um, The Cyclones had their best plus minus with him on the floor. Uh, Chris Williams with that stat there uh, did the research. This game did show a glimpse of what the combination of offense and defense could be if it's up if it's all together on a given night. Uh, Taman Lipsy was the clear one guard uh, in this matchup as he ended the night with a triple-double. Like 18 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists on the night, so he had a fantastic night there. Uh, And all of this gears us up to Cyhawk this next week. I believe that is Thursday night. Correct me if I'm wrong. I should have looked that up. The seventh, I think it is. So yeah, that's Thursday. Yeah, Thursday, Thursday the seventh. Um, I don't know what BPI has it at, but Iowa State is at home in Hilton for this game. Iowa's has a really uh, good offense so far this season, um, and Iowa State obviously is is going to be more adept in defense uh, as they are fourth in the country in steals per game, and Iowa is a hundred and fifteenth. It steals per game. A seventy-five point seven percent chance right now. Wow, I would say that's a little. Yeah, high, it's but... it's really high off the early season because our measurables there. all look really good from uh, from the non-con. There you have it. Cyhawk uh, beat the Hawks. Uh, go state. Just a couple couple of sides. I did not get to watch the DePaul game, but 
just looking at the box scores, fantastic on turnovers, 9 to 17. That's really good. Um, 14 of 21 from free throw. Don't love that. We shoot under 70 yet again. And the other thing I don't really like is uh, Omaha Baloo, six minutes, one turnover, one personal foul. That is it. I'm, I'm getting worried. We should have seen it by now. There's something to see. This man was predicted to be a lottery pick before the season has started. Uh, feels like he should be doing something on the court, like literally anything. But we're playing Jackson Pavletsky, you know, five times as much as we're playing him. So keep an eye on it if you can. I don't think I've seen him yet this season. Yeah, I, I will say how the game shaped up a little bit. DePaul started going small in order to try and get more handling and not have as many turnovers. So that kind of led to Omaha Blues sitting a lot. But Slap yeah, I agree. I, I agree with you. I, I'm starting to get worried, but we'll see. With that, uh, I know we talk about Cyclone basketball. There's, you know, a fantastic uh, former Cyclone basketball player who apparently is in the quarterfinals of this NBA uh, midseason tournament, Arian, what's what's going on there? Yeah, so yet another time we're talking about this weird new thing this year. I just like to keep everybody abreast of it because it's kind of fun. Uh, the IST, as the cool kids call it, or the in-season tournament, the quarterfinals are tonight on the 4th of December. Uh, these are the knockout games. So these are what's going to narrow us down to your eventual winner. Uh, the Pacers and the Celtics are going at it, and the Pelicans and the Kings. And then we'll have the Knicks versus the Bucks and the Suns versus the Lakers. Obviously, that works in a normal tournament format. Four goes to two, two goes to one. You guys get that part. Other teams, interestingly, will also have games. Uh, they just won't be part of the knockout rounds. And then on December 6th and December 9th, they'll have one home and one away game each. Uh, the semis and the championship games are going to be in Las Vegas on December 7th and 9th. So that's when it'll move to kind of one location. And that'll be, I think, that's really going to show when it's a big deal. Like, are people going to show up for that? Are teams going to play hard? Is it going to be intense? Are crowds going to be excited? Are people going to be talking crap online? Like, it's all about the engagement. It's about the driving of interest. So if, if fans buy in, then I think players will buy in because nobody wants to get clowned online because you lost. So that'll be interesting for sure. And then one fun little tidbit that I noticed, uh, all four of the matchups that I had said before of the quarterfinals have already been scheduled four times in a season. Uh, generally, it is against regular season scheduling rules to put a team against another team more than four times in the regular season. But just as a quirk there, they will all play five times. So just an interesting thing that I saw when I was looking into this tournament. Um, that is all I got. But yeah, keep an eye on the in-season tournament. We'll see how it goes, the very first one. Um, and that's all I have. We'll talk a little bit of NFL next. Kyle, you want to fill us in? Yeah, it was a... Uh, yeah, just... I mean, the NFL keeps rolling on. And we saw a lot of interesting things this weekend. Uh, the Chiefs stumbled in Green Bay on Sunday Night Football. Uh, I'm just going to put it out here. The, the ref show was back in full force in this game. Um, referees should not be the, you know, a, uh, yeah, referees should not be like a center point of a football game. Yeah. We'll just put that out there. It was um, truly Brock the worst Purdy, kind of refing because you can't it, even argue that they were biased towards one side. They literally seemingly just forgot how to be a referee they, for the first they, they last four minutes of the game. 
so bad on both sides. Horrible. Football. And, and some of that we'll actually get to in, in uh, Mike's stupid rules this week. But yeah, he's bad game. The, the Green Bay Packers, on the other hand, give it to him. A very young team is turning it on uh, at the right time. Uh, they didn't win a game in, in 40 days, uh, but now they are on track after a good Thanksgiving Day win against the Lions and now beating the Chiefs at home. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers in a rematch of the NFC Championship game absolutely es- exploited the Eagles, uh, so much so that um, uh, they got the Eagles' head of security thrown out of the football game. Uh, Darian Greenlaw was also ejected, so fighting and punching and, and whatnot got them both ejected. But it, it was a, clearly a lopsided game there, uh, as San Francisco had every number of the Eagles, uh, and Jalen Hurts w- w- didn't have enough on offense in order to get that done. Uh, the Texans get back on track as they're trying to make a push to be a wild card team in the playoffs. Uh, CJ Stroud and company unfortunately for tank dell uh really exciting rookie was injured but they they were able to stymie the broncos who were also playing really well as of late uh and then oddly enough the contending steelers dropped a head scratcher at home to the arizona cardinals uh nobody in i don't think anywhere saw that one coming as the cardinals are looking to be a, a team that has one of the top picks in the nfl draft this season to rebuild so that was strange. They lost Kenny Pickett during that game. Not that Kenny Pickett has been great this season, but if he's their starter, do you really right. want to see Mitch Trubisky play? I don't think I don't think Steelers fans at this point want to watch any of them play. No, just the uh, defense, really. And then the Cowboys in the San uh, in the Seattle Seahawks had a Thursday night thriller. Uh, Thursday night football fans were able to rejoice in a really good football game just in time for the Patriots and the Steelers next week. Uh, that's going to be a barn burner. Uh, but the yes, Patriots the Cowboys... played a zero to six loss this week. So get excited mm-hmm. for that brand of very football. exciting. Very exciting. Uh, yeah. Mitch Trubisky against that Patriots defense. Whew, a thing of, <laughs> yeah, you might as well hang that in the Louvre. Uh, yeah. And... Sickos guaranteed right there. Garrett. That they'll stamp that a hundred percent, and with that, yeah, you the the Cowboys played a, a really really good game. Uh, they finally got a win that felt like it was something to write home about against a you know middle of the road Seahawks team. But they're prepping for a tough stretch ahead as now they uh, host the Philadelphia Eagles next week at home on Sunday Night Football. So everybody get excited for a really good Sunday Night Football matchup next week. And there you have it. That's the around the horn in the NFL. And as you might have noticed, Mike is not here this week. So Wyatt is going to be filling in on this edition of Mike's Stupid Rules. What you got? Yeah. So earlier this year, there was an NFL game. I believe it was the Bengals and Steelers in week 12, where the clock in the stadium malfunctioned, or at least part of the clock in the stadium malfunctioned, the game clock. So the way the stadium was set up is they had like, uh, a couple of different places where the clock shown, of course, two end zones. They had some like in the corners of the field and whatnot. And I guess during the game, part of the corner clocks stopped working or were inaccurate. So the referee stopped the game, got on the PA and said, hey, these clocks are, are defective. 
Uh, can whoever is running the stuff upstairs turn those off and we'll continue with the clocks on the other side of the field, right? So they do that for a couple of minutes and then they find out that those clocks are also broken. So they end up turning off all of the game clocks in the stadium, which means that the game clock on the TV broadcast is also not working. And they had to have an official on the field actually keep time because by rule, that's what is supposed to happen. Rule four, section one, article four, official time. The stadium electric clock shall be the official time, which everyone's aware of that. The game clock operator shall start and stop the clock upon the signals and whatnot. They should do things for their job, right? And then the side judge shall supervise the timing of the game. And in the case, the stadium clock becomes inoperative or it's not being operated correctly, the side judge shall take over official timing on the field. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened in this instance. There was some cool shots of the, the TV camera showing the ref with his watch. He's had a watch on the underside of his wrist, keeping the actual game time on the field uh, for that game. I, I don't remember how if they ended the game like that or if the clocks eventually got fixed, but it's very interesting. You don't see that a lot no, ever, especially not in the NFL. I know it's happened a couple of times in the NFL, but that's really rare to see. I've seen it once doing high school ball, and I tell you, keeping time on the field is terrible with a five-person crew. I'm sure it's a little I bit better with seven, but yeah. it is it is a rough time. So that's what's supposed to happen if the clocks go out. Similarly, with the play clock, I don't know which position the NFL carries that, but in, in high school and usually in college, it'll be a back judge. But side judge for the NFL is who keeps the official game time if that's required to be done on the field. Mm. Man. Interesting. Good job. Good job to those guys for being prepared. Yeah. I it also just made me wonder is like how does the quarterback and the offense then know what the play clock is? They'll, they'll yeah. audibly let oh, them know hey, there's like two forty five left or something. Yeah, in between downs. Oh That's no, but normal. no, the the play clock. Like do they count down twenty five, twenty four? So in, in this case, the play clock was still working. It was just the game clock. They're they're two separate systems in this stadium, gotcha. so that wasn't an issue. Um I, can, I don't know what the NFL or NCAA says, but in high school, what what we do is hand up at 10 seconds left and then count down from five seconds uh, from your hand up. Like you're giving somebody a high five. So five seconds from there, five, four, three, going counting down to your waist. So you're essentially waving, I guess, from above your head and then to the right. I use my right hand to the right in a like a half circle until you get to your waist. And then once your hand gets to your waist, that's the delay game penalty. Okay. I assume they would do something similar in, in college or NFL, but I'm not 100% sure. I don't have a mechanics manual for those. Very interesting. Well, thank you for that. And hopefully, hopefully Mike uh, goes back and listens and feels um, proud to, to call us good stand-ins for him this week. We certainly uh, do our best. And with that, I'm about to mess all of that up with the accountability session, as Mike says that I do every time I fill in for him. So... We're going to rapid fire this because we have a lot of predictions to take off the board this week, as a lot of them uh, revolved either around F1 or college football. So with that, let's get right into it. Uh, Mike predicted early, early, early on this season that the Cyclones would recover for a bowl game next year. As we said, they're going to the Liberty Bowl. So with that, Mike gets or that is correct. And Mike gets a ding, 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 ding. After that, I predicted that Texas A&M does not make a bowl game. Uh, and as Ariane confirmed for me, Texas A&M is indeed going to a bowl game, as I believe they were 7-5 and five to end the season. So with that, I get a nah. Nah. 
Uh, Wyatt predicted earlier this season for Formula One that Mercedes does not finish in the top three in the uh, Constructors' Championship. Uh, Mercedes ended up finishing two points ahead of Ferrari for second in the Constructors' Championship. So with that, Wyatt gets a nah. Nah. Uh, Mike predicted early on this season that Texas does not finish in the top 25. Well, it doesn't matter if you look at the AP poll or the college football playoff rankings, they both finished third. Uh, and third is obviously inside the top 25. So with that, Mike gets a nah. Uh, Mike also, or no, Arian predicted, sorry, Texas does not win the big 12 championship game. Uh, Texas throttled. Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. So with that, Arian gets a nah. Nah. I predicted or in the middle of the season that McLaren, after they showed a lot of good promise, would finish third in the Drivers Championship. As I already just mentioned, Ferrari finished third in the Drivers Championship. So that can't happen. So I get a nah. 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 I also predicted that neither Texas or OU would win the Big 12 title in their final season. I already alluded to this. Texas won, so I get a nah. Why I predicted that Oklahoma doesn't finish in the top 10 uh, in the AP poll in their final rankings. Uh, Well, I guess there is one more ranking now, isn't there? I mean, I think technically. So that's going back up on the board. Okay. Or to put that back up on the board. Uh, Mike predicted that the Cyclones have at least one first-team All-Big 12 player. Uh, Upon looking that up, this did come out. TJ Tampa and Jeremiah Cooper were both first-team All-Big 12 defense. So with that, Mike gets a ding-ding-ding-ding-ding. Ding-ding-ding. Wyatt predicted that Iowa State makes it into the top 25 uh, in the polls. Uh, They neither did that for the college football playoff poll or the AP poll. So with that, Wyatt gets a nah-nah. Arian the Pessimist said the Cyclones don't go bowling this season. As we already confirmed with the Liberty Bowl, they are going bowling. So with that, Arian gets a nah. 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 Wyatt predicted that the Cyclones would go to a bowl game south of Memphis. Memphis is Memphis. Ah. Uh, So (laughs) with that, it is not south of Memphis. So for that, Wyatt gets a nah. Nah. I also predicted that at the end of the Formula One season that Lando Norris would win one of the final three races. I believe Max Verstappen won all three. Uh, So with that, I get a nah. Nah. Ariane predicted that KU does go bowling. Uh, They are going to the uh, guaranteed rate bowl in Arizona. So with that, Ariane gets a ding, 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 ding. Josh predicted last week that the Bears would beat the Vikings uh, on Monday Night Football. This did happen uh, as Josh Dobbs was terrible in that game. Uh, so forget that. Josh gets a ding, 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 ding. And for this one, a yellow airplane. Wyatt predicted this, by the way, because Wyatt comes up with all obscure predictions. A yellow airplane will win the stole drag in the 2023 Reno air races. Wyatt confirmed this prior to this episode as being correct that the Penske plane. Uh, Not quite. Steve Henry's number 44 Highlander. Highlander, which is a Piper Cub. Uh, It is a, I actually don't remember what you said a plane it is. I think Uh, it was. did I? I think they're just like a uh, 
They're like a home built, I think. I don't like a Highlander's a Highlander. Oh, well, it was okay. yellow. That's what matters. Yeah, it's it yellow. Was yellow. That's, That's right. all that matters. Right. So with that, white gets a ding, 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 ding. Finishing off strong. All right. Arion, what do you got for us to put more stuff back on the board? Yeah, let's get into it here. Um, as we said, this is a repeat of 2017 with the Memphis and the Iowa State and the Liberty Bowl and all that good stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and say let's keep the theme going. Iowa State will beat Memphis 21 20, just like they did back then with Kyle Kemp throwing two touchdowns and Joel Lanning, the Land Ram, running for a touchdown. How about that? It's a good time. FPI gives us a. It's to not going to be the exact same score. I say, to win, I, yes. I don't think I, they have I numbers would, for that. I would give this like a triple. There's no way. There's a very unlikely scenario. The, I, I shouldn't say no way. No way it would be a home run. The over under is 57 and a half, and the spread is seven. So wow. they're predicting like a 20. Wow. Like a 24 to 30 ish game. Does that sound right, more or less? To get it exact, though, 21 to 20, I I don't think so. I'm going to say triple. Yeah, give me. uh, I'd be fine with I'll give it a triple. What are the odds? I'm not feeling that. Triple it is. Triple it is. Anything from Mike this week? We know he's still alive, but do you have a prediction on the board? He is still alive. I reached out, um, but he made a prediction. Uh, and put it up on the board. And since I asked him for clarification on this, um, he has not responded. So he made a prediction that the Cyclones would beat Memphis. And now this is going to be a little bit of a roundtable discussion because last week on episode 248, he predicted that the Cyclones would win their bowl game. Now, for all of our listeners out there, yes, that is indeed the same prediction in its essence. Uh, if we consult our write that down prediction rule book, there is nothing that says that a member cannot uh, create the same prediction twice. Now, with that being said, Article 7 in our book, predictions can be refused to be written down with a majority vote. So, do we allow this prediction or do we vote to strike this prediction? I will vote to allow. So I think the only argument here is that we just know who we're playing now. And if you think that swings the vote, then I would allow it. But I think that we would still give this a single. So for me, I'm going to say no. We gave it a single last week and we give it a single this week. I don't think this swings the the vote. It's not like we're playing Bama, you know? Yeah. I I don't think that this has enough merit for us to deny it. It's so small and inconsequential in the grand scheme of things. I wouldn't feel comfortable invoking Article 6 or Article 7, excuse me. But, I think but if you do, do it, that's fine. I think he just forgot that he did I, it last I week. think you're right. I think you're right. We can always abstain. We don't have to strike it right now either. Hmm. Let's wait. Let's wait because I think we, he'll just we can give wait us a for clarification. Line. I don't like that. Uh, so, to be fair, you, Ariane, I, I checked the the viewing history. Mm-hmm. Only Ariane and Wyatt have viewed this message back to him. So, yeah, we'll wait on him. I think I think we say we wait and then we can vote on it at that point. That's fine. It, it is neither struck nor allowed. Correct. It is pending. I don't know. P- it's almost as like we asked Josh for his prediction and he hasn't opened it yet. So. Yep. 
It happens. It happens. Speaking, Speaking of, of Josh, Josh, do we have anything from Josh this week? He's still alive. He he is. He got back to me really quickly when I messaged him. Uh, he is very high on the this week, as I think a lot of people in the Green Bay, Wisconsin area are, or Packer followers. He is predicting that the Packers will lose no more than two games for the remainder of the season. Okay. So My there, immediate question is, who do they play? The Giants? They have gross. the Giants in the Meadowlands, the Buccaneers at home, the Panthers on the road, gross, the Vikings oh, on the road, and then the Bears at home. Oh, okay, that's doable. Yeah. <laughs> so doable. Oh, shoot. How many should they lose if you're looking at this? They should beat the, the Giants. They shouldn't lose any of those. They should beat the Panthers. They should probably beat the Vikings. They should beat the Bears. That's at home. So you're really looking at the Packer or the Buccaneers game is maybe and the Vikings hard. game. And maybe the Vikings. And they can I lose. don't know what the Vikings will be at that point. And they can lose two games. Uh, They're already going to win three games, basically. Uh, it's not a single. I don't think it's a single. Oh, I think I'm voting single. The Giants, and, the Giants and the Panthers are both actively trying to lose games. I'm, so I'm really still just, not convinced that the you're Packers just saying are that you good. don't think the Packers can beat the Bears and Lambeau is what you're saying. Yes, that that is certainly a possibility. If anybody's going to do something, well, not anybody, but I could see the Packers just completely not giving up, but. I don't know. They're not going to look good. I'm I'm not convinced the Packers are good still. So why it looks like the nice guy think... trying to vote for or trying to get say, more for Josh. Hey, I, I got I'm, that double in before you two. I'm not saying the Packers are good. I'm saying the teams they're playing are very bad. I agree, but I think you still have to be good or pay decent. You have to be decent to be able to pull those off. All of I'm them and there. only lose two games. Single. That's fine. Single. That's fine. It's locked. All right, Wyatt, what do you got? Uh, I will predict that the Cyclones will beat Memphis by more than one point. Well, the line has supposedly opened at 10. It now sits at 7. seven. So I don't single. know if this game moves to less than 5 or 4.5 so. maybe. I think it'll probably end up sitting around single. 6. Yeah. I dig it. What do you got, Kyle? This is also probably a single. I have that men's basketball beats Iowa this week. It, it doesn't, in my defense, it doesn't feel like a single, but BPI I says it's a single. single. What is Iowa looking like so far this year? Five and two this season. They've got a really good offense. They're like seventh or something in the Big Ten, even though that really doesn't matter right now because they haven't played each other. I was going to say, who have they lost to? Number eight, Creighton. OU and number four Purdue. So they don't really have any bad losses. Their losses are better than our losses. Give me a give me a double. I thought yeah, about a fine. triple. It's not, a, take it's a, not triple. a single. I don't think it's a triple. This team is I was going to say, I, I says we are. I might have blocked a triple. I was like, I don't think this is a triple with us playing at home, but I'll take a double. I thought about it. Well, with two singles, a double, and a triple, that concludes our Write That Down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for dropping by this week's episode of the 8311 cast, episode 249. From now until next week's episode, be sure to check in with our socials at 8311cast wherever you find us. Signing off for the 8311 cast, we have your hosts Kyle Mersh, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you all again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones!